Good morning. Let us pray together. Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. As a child, I loved stories. I started with the Bearstain Bears when I was seven and eight and then read the Babysitter's Club series when I was a teenager. I remember how Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry by Gloria Naylor changed my life as a little black girl and how The Color Purple by Alice Walker ignited a fiery love for reading by the time I was graduating high school. Stories were my friends. They walked with me and talked with me and taught me about the world and my own possibilities within this world. Quite naturally, I was always drawn to the Gospels, where stories are told, particularly by Jesus himself. Jesus' natural inclination toward parables are exciting, as these stories are not always straightforward. They normally have a hidden meaning, and right when you think you know how the story ends, the parable shocks and offers a different conclusion that challenges all you knew you thought you knew about God and the world. Think of the Samaritan parable, or the workers in the vineyard. In our text for this morning, the second reading, Luke 18, one through eight, we read a shocking parable. Jesus tells a parable about prayer through centering one particular woman, an unnamed widow, who courageously and unapologetically protests and demands justice, demanding for her agency and humanity to be taken seriously. I think this unnamed widow has something to teach us about protest as a form of prayer in this scary, unpredictable social and political moment. So in this parable, Jesus first describes the life of prayer by offering an unconventional image of a widow. Let's remember that widows in ancient Palestine were treated as marginalized subjects and human forms of property. Widows were often exploited as their survival depended on the men in their lives. Without these men, widows were doomed to an impoverished life. Throughout the Torah and prophetic writings, the widow does not plead on her own behalf, particularly in public spaces. Before the parable of this unnamed widow, Widows in general were described in conventional ways, women who simply depended on the community to speak on their behalf. Yet Jesus offers this parable of the unnamed widow and presents an image of this widow as a woman who demands justice on her own behalf in the most public and scandalous way as she appears before the courts an action seen as utterly inappropriate to the larger culture of the day. Jesus wants to commend this widow's courageous actions of protest against an unjust system as an example of how we should pray and not lose heart. What does this parable of the unnamed widow teach us 
about prayer and protest in this political moment. Consider this first insight. Jesus' parable of this unnamed widow teaches us that prayer and protest go hand in hand. In fact, this widow demonstrates that protest is a form of prayer. In the religious world, political action or protest is often denounced in favor of prayer. Prayer is seen as that which connects one's inner self to God. Prayer is described as essential to the inward journey. Protest, on the other hand, is seen as an option to one's religious identity or spiritual walk. And sometimes protest is seen as antithetical to prayer, part of the secular order. Protest then is not seen as necessary like prayer to spiritual formation. Well, this parable throws all of these assumptions into question. The widow in the parable teaches us that prayer and protest are not two different things. This widow in the parable shows us that prayer at its best is righteous action or protest. Prayer is not an opiate for the people. It is not the kind of prayer to passively sedate our spirits as we sit on the sidelines. This is not the kind of prayer to enlarge our bank accounts, not the kind of prayer to secure material blessings for me, myself, and I. This is a let justice come, we won't stop until justice is done kind of prayer. This is though justice is delayed, it will not be denied kind of prayer. This is a kind of prayer for world changers. In this text, Jesus is challenging the hearers to rethink how we pray, what prayer is. Prayer is not so much about speaking, but doing. The widow just doesn't speak prayer, but she decides to embody prayer. Embodying prayer is about allowing our prayers to have hands and feet in the world to enact justice with God. Embodying prayer is about refusing to let the status quo have the last say. Embodying prayer is about defiantly disrupting principalities and powers in high places that dehumanize and degrade. Embodying prayer is about choosing to be part of the movement for love and justice that privileges the downtrodden and dispossessed. We must relearn what prayer is all about and at best, Prayer is righteous and just action. But consider this second insight from this parable. In this parable, there is a theological dilemma. This parable presents a tension that cannot easily be resolved. The parable shows that this widow is willing to attack the judge if her request went unmet. How can it be that the very passage that lifts up the widow as a model of prayer and resistance simultaneously shows that the widow will potentially resort to violence if her demand is not met? In, the, in verse 5 within the RSV, biblical scholar Conrad Weiss argues that the judge's internal comment of the widow not wearing him out corresponds to a boxing term in Greek. 
The phrase wear me out means to beat up, to strike me in the face, to do violence to me, or to give me a black eye. The text reveals that the widow was not operating with a politics of respectability or even a pacifist politics. So how do we grapple with this text? A parable Jesus privileges about the widow, who is clearly a courageous model of resistance, standing for justice, but will overtly employ violence if she needs to. What do we do with that? I believe that this parable shows us that unjust systems which constantly create violence tend to reproduce a sense of trauma in those who feel the weight of injustice. Systems of violence often have a way of sucking everyone in due to the pain and wounding of such violence. This widow had been traumatized and I want to note that many commentaries insist that in Jewish society, a widow had no legal rights to her dead husband's estate. And so the widow would often be forced out of her house onto the streets where she had no choice but to beg. It is understood that this was perhaps the widow's circumstance. And if so, why wouldn't she be fierce why wouldn't she be tired and angry? Why wouldn't she be defiant? But don't judge the widow, though. She is attempting to reclaim her agency and humanity within a system that refuses her request for justice, her request to simply be treated as a human being. As Victor Hugo powerfully stated, the guilty one is not he who commits the sin in the dark but he who causes the darkness. The impulse is for us, even for me, to judge the widow for her approach without judging the source, an unjust system. The judge represents systemic evil and institutional corruption, and the text lets us know that. The judge doesn't grant her request out of his sense of justice or goodness, but because the widow was unrelenting and he felt threatened and forced by her courageous approach to give her what she asked for. Now, I wanna be very clear because Dr. Walton is absent that I am not condoning violence, right? You can't say that Dr. Walton invited this woman here and she's condoning violence from the pulpit. I'm certainly not doing that. But this parable is meant to disturb. It is meant to disturb how we morally evaluate people, what is wrong or right. This parable asks us to walk into this tension, into this liminal space, and live here, sit inside of people's pain, understand the exhaustion and trauma and anger and brokenheartedness before we assess what people should be doing or should not be doing. In other words, this parable invites us to exercise empathy. We can understand and exercise empathy that the widow feels she has no choice but to potentially resort to violence. This question of empathy can be extended to our current moment. Can we exercise empathy for immigrants being deported and torn from their, their children's arms? 
for the young black man who constantly sits under the gazing eyes of society for simply, simply being black, for women who are victims of sexual assault yet are silenced, for our LGBTQ brothers and sisters who are met with violence simply for loving who they love, or for the Muslim who is immediately distrusted for her or his religion. We must go deeper and acknowledge and work against the structures that create the violence and darkness, structures that reproduce anger and pain in individuals who are targeted by systems. We must exercise empathy. And I am grateful that Jesus does not count out the widow because of her anger, as her cause and demand for justice is right. But consider this final insight. The parable doesn't end with our actions alone. At the end of the parable, Jesus asks the how long question. He asks, when the Son of Man comes, will he find this kind of faith on earth? In other words, Jesus asks, will there be someone audacious enough to actually ask and believe for a better world? Will there be a group that refuses to confuse the world's no to justice with God's radical yes to justice for the least of these? Will we truly believe that our prayers as protests matter and wrap our flesh around the prayers we profess? Will God find people who will not lose heart? Will the Son of Man find anyone as bold, defiant, and courageous as the unnamed widow? My hope is that each of us can answer the question with a resounding yes. We must indeed embrace a different kind of prayer, the widow's prayer. Amen.